Another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to get to in the front on the football side, and we'll also talk um, some volleyball with their contest taking place this Thursday. Today, if you're listening right away this morning when this podcast is released, uh, get ready for a big volleyball game at 4 p.m. at the Fieldhouse. Should be a fun one as the Badgers get ready to take on UCLA. Um, and then, of course, in the back of the show, we'll talk about the Badgers' furious comeback on the basketball court against the Indiana Hoosiers. Everything looked pretty bleak at halftime, but the Badgers responded once again. We've seen some serious fight from this team to claw back, and they were able to come away with the victory down 19 at half and uh, stormed all the way back in the last 20 minutes. Um, really some impressive takeaways, some, you know, an impressive run, and some guys that I think really stood out despite the team uh, being a little shorthanded in uh, in that contest. So an overall really great team win. We'll talk about everything to take away from that. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, last night that was a phenomenal game of basketball, especially in the second half. Uh, and to see this team, they play so play uh, really just gritty, but then um, you see you talk to them after the game outside of the court, and they're just very loose, um, and they seem to really be getting along and gelling, which I think is exciting um, based off of everything that's happened in the past year for this team, and and credit to Greg Gard for that. I think uh, he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, if anyone watched, not to get into it too early here with the other stuff, but if you if you watch that post-game interview of, of Gard and uh, Johnny Davis just kind of hugging, and you could just tell the energy was is very much there for this team, and, and they're clearly playing off of it and, and playing for each other, and it's been uh, a treat to watch. I mean, that first half was about as ugly as the basketball as we've seen from this team, and for them to respond the way they did in the second half was truly impressive. So we'll get into all things basketball. So like I said, I think there's a lot of takeaways that we can uh, uh, bring from that game in, in terms of impressive things to take as the Badgers get ready for another big one on Saturday uh, mid-morning afternoon against Ohio State. Before that, though, we'll get into our news. We'll start with one that I don't believe it came out or was announced before our last episode, but I don't believe we touched on it at all, and that's Braylon Allen being named freshman All-American by Pro Football Focus and 247. Really not surprising with the dominating year he had. I mean, he was just a beast when he was in there um, and, and really gave a spark to this football team, but it's nice to see a kid like him get the accolades that he deserves. So what do you make of Braylon Allen um, being a uh, freshman All-American by these two outlets? Yeah, I think uh, he, he definitely is deserving based off of what he did as a freshman. I mean, you look at Travion Henderson, another guy who, who deserves um, that recognition as well from Ohio State. But really, Braylon Allen has kind of set up and changed the outlook of Wisconsin's backfield moving forward based off of his performance. You got to hope that uh, he can come back fully healthy for the bowl game, uh, kind of knock off some of the, the, the small bumps and bruises that he's been rolling with the past few weeks. And really just you look at the numbers and it's really impressive for him to come out and and rush for a thousand yards in, in limited workload and kind of to come in mid season the way he did and, and just kind of carry the team was was really impressive. I also uh, to bring up that Jack Nelson was also uh, an All-American from the 247 
um, listing as well. Uh, another kid who is very deserving. Uh, you don't normally see redshirt freshmen starting along the offensive line. I know Wisconsin has had quite a few in the past. Um, most recently, Tyler Biotish. Uh, and it's usually a good sign of what is to come for these guys is almost all the players who start as redshirt freshmen end up getting a shot in the league, get drafted. Uh, Jack Nelson, probably the next of that bunch, just based off of his pedigree um, and his ability, athletic ability and tenacity that he plays with. Yeah, I mean, those two up front are, you know, with with Nelson Palpin paved the way for Braylon Allen, those guys are, you know, something that you can really build your program on for the future here. And, you know, for Braylon Allen, it's been just a, an incredible trajectory of him. I mean, I, I think people sometimes forget, you know, in the spring, they he was going to come in, but they didn't really know. Was he going to play linebacker? Was he going to play running back? They decided, you know, when we talked about it, when they, you know, ended up putting him at running back, we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it'll work. Maybe it'll work. It's good to try. Um, and then for him to go from that to you know, the Badgers' best overall player offensively and, and the guy that they lean on to, you know, get them going in that winning streak was incredibly impressive. So I know we, we had the Braylon Allen hype talk early in his career. I mean, when he was squatting 500 pounds at 17, he thought, man, this guy is going to be impressive at some point. But to see him be, you know, this impressive early on in his career is, is really something that stood out and, and really changed everything for this Wisconsin football team because, they were struggling to run the ball um, consistently before that, and he came in and, and really gave them a spark and, and changed things around. So excited to see what he can do in the bowl game and in the future. Sure. All right. We'll get into some football recruiting now. We've got some offers that went out in both the 2023 and 2024 class. So the 2022 group is really going to heat up here, of course, with early signing day uh, getting started next week, but the 2023 and 24 groups are also in progress. You can't forget about those ones. So some interesting offers. The the first one, Joshua Manning out of Lee's Summit, Missouri. Uh, he is part of the class of 2023. Uh, big kid, 6'3", 190 um, at the wide out position. So something that Wisconsin just sometimes has struggled to um, get after is those big, uh, tall type receivers. And then Quentin Martin out of Bell Vernon, kind of an athlete. Um, we'll see where he's, um, you know, where he ends up right now. Currently a four star, uh, out of Pennsylvania, according to 247. No 247 composite for him, but both offers I think are interesting. And when you're looking at, you know, these are still a couple, you know, Quinn Martin, a couple classes away, but it's good to make some inroads and try and get in these, you know, prospects ears early. So what did you make of these two offers going out for the Badgers? Yeah, I mean, there's actually a couple more offers. Michael Gardner um, out of Arizona, and then cornerback uh, uh, or defensive back, I should say, um, Jaden Hardy uh, as well, and that's in the 2024 class. So you're just seeing the Badgers starting to get a head start on some of these early classes. Um, it's hard to make too much of these early offers just because most of these guys have offers from all of the top schools or are slowly getting to that point. Um, Wisconsin is is just going ahead and, and doing their due diligence, checking in on some of these guys. I do think that um, of those offers, uh, the in, the offer to Manning I think is is interesting, just because I think you're going to see the Elvis Witted um, possibly probe into that Missouri area a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't um, gotten a lot of guys out of that area, but you, you know Graham Mertz. You've, you've seen Clay Cundiff out of, both out of that Kansas, um, area. So Wisconsin, if they can kind of make some headway into that Plains area where there's, there's just less competition. You don't have as many teams, 
Um, you don't see teams from Texas, teams from the East Coast or the West Coast get involved in there. And, and instead, you're taking on Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Nebraska, Colorado, some, some teams that are um, you have a, a better, a little bit of a better standing with than than most. So. I think Manning's a player to watch and more guys in that Missouri area to, to boot because I think Wisconsin has, uh, has, has something to offer in that area that maybe they have a harder time when you go down south or, or have, uh, other teams like an LSU, for example, all of a sudden get involved. Yeah, I think that's a great point when you think about it. I mean, the, just, you know, you have a, a really strong standing in, you know, in, in that area. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Quinn Martin out of Pennsylvania, there's a lot more teams that are going to be in the mix there. You've got, you know, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Penn State, Pittsburgh. So when you go east, you know, just, uh, you know, a little bit further, you've got a lot more competition in, in that area versus that, you know, Plains area. You're, you're going up against, you know, quality schools. Don't get me wrong. Like you mentioned, there's, there's a whole list of schools and Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas State. Those are still, you know, power five schools and Cincinnati, of course, is probably at its highest point right now where kids are, are looking to play there too. So. It's no, by no means a shoe in, but I think Wisconsin in terms of standing in some of those areas is a place that maybe you could make some footholds and start to pick up some more players around those spots. So kudos to, to Elvis Witted for getting out and, and finding some new areas. Like you mentioned, they haven't picked up uh, a ton of players from there, but it's an area that I think you could have success in on the recruiting trail if you're, if you're going out and, and, and making headway in some of those ones. So that's certainly the, the guy to watch, but overall it's, it's exciting to see. Wisconsin gets started on these 2023 and 24 groups. I mean, they're still a ways away. And I know a lot of the focus right now is, is probably on the 2022 group and rightfully so. And then after that, probably getting your recruiting staff back in order. Cause I know that's kind of been moving pieces all season long, but um, it's always fun to start seeing these names and these targets on the board for Wisconsin football. And we'll see where some of these translate out. For sure. All right. Well, next we'll talk about some volleyball. Of course, as we mentioned, the topics, guys, this show's coming out Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. Wisconsin has their next volleyball contest at the Fieldhouse taking on UCLA. The winner of that game will take on Minnesota and Baylor. I believe that would be on Saturday um, at the Fieldhouse as well. So a, a big weekend for Wisconsin volleyball here. Um, you know, the next step in getting back to that final four and hopefully over that hump of the national championship starts against UCLA. So, Anything to make of what do you take of? Are you excited to see what volleyball can do uh, on Thursday afternoon? Yeah, I, I think you you look at it, it's big that they've got these next two at the field house, assuming that they're able to take care of business against UCLA. Um, just having the crowd back has, has really given this team a lift, and I think it's going to be a, a nice environment considering just everything that's on the line. But UCLA, really good team. They they have four losses or uh, five losses this year, with the bulk of them coming in conference. Uh, and and you know similar story to the Badgers. Badgers go ahead and were able to to take care of business throughout conference play most of the time. Um, but Wisconsin, sixteen and one at home. Um, this UCLA team uh, lost five of all five of their games on the road. So I think that gives Wisconsin a little bit of an edge here. Um, I'm excited to to see if Grace Loberg and, and Julia Orzal can continue to play really, really well. I think having those two to to really um, go ahead and help the attack with Retke, can, it really gives this team a lift and hopefully they can keep that going because they were really, really good against Florida Gulf Coast and, if they can continue to to make their presence felt, this this Wisconsin team is in a really good spot to make a deep run. 
Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that both these games being at the field house, if they're able to take care of business and how important that is. I know late in the season with all those tough Big Ten games kind of coming down the pipeline, you had, you know, ranked team after ranked team where you could either really bolster your resume and make sure that you, you know, you're hosting um, throughout that part of the tournament. Or if, you know, if they stumbled in a couple of those those games, would they have to all of a sudden travel? But thankfully for Wisconsin, you know, they're at the field house. And as you mentioned, they've been so dominant. Um, when they're playing in that building. And I, I would have to say I went to just one volleyball game this year, but um, my my mom and sister go to quite a few of them. And the, the way they talked about the environment um, at the field house being back this season is, is a huge advantage. I mean, a lot of these um, you know players have been a part of some really strong teams, but it seems like um, the, the focus and the energy and the, and the crowd is, is very much there for this team. And I'm excited to see um, if they can continue that against UCLA, and will that set up a, an even bigger match against a Baylor and Minnesota team? Whoever, even that game, you know, if, if you've got time to watch that one as well, uh, should be an exciting contest. So this is the time of year, you know, where, where volleyball, these these matches are going to be a ton of fun. And uh, hopefully, I know it's a weird start on Thursday at 4, but hopefully the crowd can be rocking there for sure. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our volleyball talk. We'll, of course, recap that uh, on our episode next week as the you know both games get underway. Uh, before we get into our basketball talk, guys, I've got to talk to you about home field apparel. Um, home field is, of course, a uh, very big Indiana Hoosier fan, so this feels almost kind of wrong to talk about uh, home field before rolling. Well, it into. feels right. <laughs> it feels, <laughs> feels so right but so wrong. Um, of course, uh, the brand. A very big Hoosier brand, but uh, Wisconsin was able to take care of business and uh, make them uh, unfortunate. But they did say, I, I mentioned that last night, that they it felt wrong, but uh, they were they're used to it at this point. But guys, home field apparel, um, high quality, you know, sweats, sweatshirts, t-shirts um, from your favorite schools. They've been rolling out their 12 tees of Christmas, so there's some new shirts over there. Um, if you're looking to order before Christmas, I highly recommend getting in an order right away. But if those, yeah, if you don't feel like you have time, if you're worried about the shipping, there is also gift cards available. If there's so many different options and t-shirts, I know for me, I have no affiliation to some of the schools that I have in my closet. So gift cards would be a great option that if you don't know what exactly to get for someone, uh, you can go over there and get that and then they can go and pick and browse and you don't have to worry about the, uh, the shipping and, and the delays and everything like that. So go over, make sure to check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself or your uh, or a loved one um, a Christmas gift and, and, or a gift card and have that ready before December 25th. All right, guys, so we'll hop into the Indiana recap now. I mean, we talked about it a little bit already, but an incredible game for the Badgers. Really a slow start in the first half, so maybe we'll start there. I mean, I don't – it was just a weird first half where it seemed like – I mean, we've seen – in the past from this team and in the early going, we, I guess I wasn't really surprised by the offensive struggles. We've seen that throughout this season. That's just kind of a staple of Wisconsin basketball is, is maybe coming out slow or having these, you know, four or five minute stretches where they struggle to score. So that really isn't all that surprising, but normally when that is the case, most of the time they're picking up a lot of that slack on the defensive end. You know, they're getting stops to keep them in it, but this game, it seemed like Indiana to start this game was, was scoring on every possession. And, and with relative ease, you know, the pick and roll was really working. They were getting high quality, you know, layups and shots. And Wisconsin was struggling to, to defend. So this team, you know, from what they'd seen all season, um, it really looked like a completely different basketball team and they fell behind pretty drastically early. So what did you make from the, the first half in, in, in those struggles, um, uh, to start the game? 
I think it started on the defensive end. This this team has really kind of gone as their defense has gone all year long. Um, outside of that Marquette game in which Wisconsin just kind of blew the doors off of them offensively, but you look at it as in the in the early going, Indiana kind of got what they wanted. Um, they were able to get most of their points in the paint, 18 points in the paint. Were able to get easy layups. They took advantage of Wisconsin's switches. Um, really nicely. They also, like you mentioned, the pick and roll. Uh, but then Wisconsin also made a concerted effort to to trap when they got the ball in the low post. And Trace Jackson Davis, the other guys, were able to take advantage of that. And Wisconsin didn't really have uh, an answer uh, until the second half where they were able to kind of regroup and, and figure out how they wanted to, to change things. But I, I thought really you look at it the first half, the shots weren't falling. I mean, it was, it was dreadful that they weren't able to make anything. Um, including they, they were 1.1 for 10 from three, from three point land. So like that, that you're not going to be in many games shooting like that, which understandably like, that's going to happen for this Wisconsin team. We've seen that before this year. Um, but you saw that in the second half, they were able to ch- kind of change everything up. I know Greg Gard just mentioned that coming in, talking it through, helping them out, making some adjustments. And really, it was the defense that just completely catapulted them to the win in the second half because it wasn't like all of a sudden they shot like gangbusters. This wasn't a team that all of a sudden shot extremely well. It was more of they – took it to Indiana on the defensive end, made the nice adjustments, and and then did enough offensively to to run away with the win. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, just the halftime break and, and kind of what Greg Gard talked about. Is, you know, he, he said in that post-game press that he didn't really recognize this team and where they were at, but it, I think it was good for them to take a breather, come out, you know, you can't you can't make a comeback like that, you know, right, you know, right out of the gate. It's possession by possession. And credit to Wisconsin, they really tightened things up defensively. And like you mentioned, they didn't they didn't shoot. You know, it's not like yeah, like you said, every shot was going in in the second half. That was not the case at all. They just slowly you know, clawed back. You know, they'd make a couple stops and, and score, and Indiana would still you know knock down a couple, but it, it slowly came back. So credit to this team once again. You talked about you know, we've talked about in the Texas A and M game, this team fell behind and easily could have laid down last night. The Cole Center of the first half was quiet. Things were a struggle. They could have easily laid down and, and lost that game. And, you know, the way they've been playing, we could have said, oh, well, I guess, you know, there was articles and you know, we need to pump the brakes with this basketball team. You know, it's too early. And, and I, I think that's fair as well. But um, they, they bounced back and, and found a way to win. And it just right now, the, this team's playing very much together. And uh, that second half was incredibly impressive for them to to come out and play the way they did on the defensive end to just make those adjustments. Once again, you got you to gotta give credit to Greg Gard and his staff. For what they did, but overall, the second half really changed. Um, they played a lot better. They played a lot more together, and uh, and, and it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it, that, that first half seemed like it got away from them so fast, and all of a sudden, that second half to see them slowly clawing back was just an incredible sight for sure. Yeah, and we mentioned the past couple episodes talking about that Wisconsin really just hasn't had a presence off the bench. They haven't seen. Uh, gotten a lift from from that area, and, and this was a game that you had multiple bench players out. You had Marcus Ilver out sick, you had Jacoby Neath out sick, and then you also had Lauren Bowman out sick. So you had three guys off of your bench ill, two of which are are you know primary contributors off the bench. They give you some some spotty minutes. I think Lauren Bowman had led them in minutes off the bench uh, the last game. But you look at this and. 
the two guys that really are three guys that really stepped up um, had hadn't we hadn't seen as much from I mean Chris Vogt I mean this was the Chris Vogt game like you look at 9.6 boards but but it was what he did off the stat sheet. He did really good defensively, um, walling up against a guy like Jackson Davis um, and Ray Thompson. But then also going ahead and getting some some critical offensive rebounds. Um, he had that assist to Johnny Davis on that huge three-pointer to kind of basically give the Badgers the win. Um, I, I was really impressed with Vogue. I mean, he had a, those two floaters. They were like shots that are incredibly difficult. And you saw him shooting them. And you're like, ooh, that's going to be tough. And sure enough, he made it. Um, but then Ben Carlson, um, hopefully he can use this as a springboard to, to give him some confidence because you look at what he was able to do for big rebounds, um, for this team, uh, and, and really just help them out in so many critical areas. And those, those two were really good. Vogue was plus 22, uh, um, on the game in the second half. Like he really swung things in Wisconsin's way. And that's why he was out there and we didn't see, um, Crowell, Crowell, Crowell only played six minutes in the second half compared to Vogue's 14. Um, I know some of that was because of foul trouble, but most of it was just based off of the production that Vogue was doing. But they both brought energy that really helped this team. Um, same with Jordan Davis. He, he only had that one three-pointer um, on four attempts, but at the same time, he gave them some nice body minutes off the bench to, to kind of help, help them. But I, I was really impressed with Vogue specifically, um, as well as Tower Wall. Um, I, I thought he just did the little things, nine, or, uh, 12 rebounds, three assists. He, he did a lot of the dirty work in that second half and didn't necessarily get a lot of the praise, but he, he really was able to do some nice things on the defensive end and, and, and grab rebounds to help this team swing, swing the game back in their favor after they looked at, left for dead at, at halftime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Chris Ford. I mean, how could you not? He was a, a guy that we've talked about a lot. And, you know, even I think last episode we talked about it, he's a guy that's going to come in, give you some minutes, you know, be a, a big defensively, hopefully grab some boards. But, you know, scoring wasn't necessarily his game. For him to put in nine points was absolutely huge. But I think the rebounds were, were even bigger, and him defensively is what you expect. And, and he came out and did that. So if you're getting that type of production from a guy like Chris Vogt, um you're set up really well because all of a sudden it's a big you can go to, and he's got a little bit more size uh, than Crowell. Where if he gets in foul trouble, votes guy that you can bring in um, and and try and, and bolster that um, you know bolster down low. You know when you're going up against some quality bigs and they're going to go up against that um, here in the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, as they get further into the Big Ten conference play, so he was incredibly impressive. That rebound and pass out to Davis was. Absolutely huge. I mean, that was really, you know, the, the defining play. And of course the shot was in, incredibly impressive in its own right, but it doesn't happen without that pass being on target. And it was a tough pass. You know, he had defenders swarming for him to kick it out and find Johnny Davis wide open to, to knock that down was, was huge. So, you know, his production was great. That's, that's the type of play that you need. I'm not going to come out here and say, you know, I'm going to expect you know, nine points from, from him every time out, but if he can give you that spark and, and be even a scoring threat and a rebounding threat and play defense, that's a huge contribution from him off the bench. And then, as you mentioned, you know, they were shorthanded, but they found some production from other guys. Um, you know, Jordan Davis, I, I think he got some quality looks, you know, especially with him having to play with, uh, you know, Chucky Hepper and a little bit, you know, uh, in foul trouble. They, they were down almost a guy off the bench with him, you know, shorthanded because he was just, you know, not being able to play, and even when he was out there, wasn't be able to be as aggressive. So I think the the production from those three guys off the bench is huge, and we'll we'll see. Hopefully that can continue 
um, as they get more minutes. And as you mentioned with Ben Carlson, hopefully that can springboard him because he's the one guy we kind of sit here and, and wait and, you know, what's maybe the missing piece that can really help them off the bench? He's the one. And if you can get contributions from some of those other guys, him, once you get Lauren Bowman and Jacoby Neath back as rotation guys, and of course Bowman is your sixth bench or sixth man, um, coming off there, all of a sudden you start to see the semblance of a rotation. You know, it's the last couple of games it hasn't been there. The minutes have been limited, but I think you see the potential for them to find a way to rotate guys as you get deeper into, you know, conference play. Guys are going to get more tired. Those are the guys you need. And so far we hadn't really seen it, but last night we finally saw some semblance of a rotation that you can rely on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up Hepburn because you look at it and, I mean, he was way off. His, he had three three-pointers and two of them were just absolutely like slammers off the backboard, like not even close, wrong area code type shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he bounced back dealing with foul trouble throughout the day. I mean, he was on the bench for large chunks of the first half, almost immediately in the second half had to go to the bench with three fouls. Um, but to, for him to come back, as a freshman and make those four free throws at the end. I mean, that, those were, that was some stones. I mean, you look at the way he played, it's, it's definitely above his age right now. And um, it's not always going to be pretty, but he does the little things defensively and was able to help them out when they needed it down the stretch to, to help secure the win. Because you look at it, I know the final score of the Badgers won by five, which I mean, that was one of those, if if you looked at the line, that was one of those bad beats. Like a lot of people, if you had bet Indiana, um, the Badgers ended up covering last second by a half a point. But I, I thought you, they needed everything, every inch of that of their scoring runs in the second half, and each point they needed in order to get this win. Everything had to perfectly align for them. Um, but you you notice Wisconsin 16-2 run over the last um, almost six minutes, whereas Indiana was one of their last 15 in the game. Um, I thought Wisconsin did a phenomenal job on um, Trace Jackson Davis, who came into the game averaging 20-plus points. He only got nine, um, and and he's one of the better bigs in the conference. So I think you look at this, the ability for Wisconsin to withstand some foul trouble with two of their key starters and to be able to go to their bench with Vogt and Carlson and still be able to limit the um, – Touches for a guy like Jackson Davis was huge, but this team is incredibly fun to watch. They didn't give up. They continued to fight, and I think the unsung hero of the game was the Cole Center. You, that the place was rocking. Like that Marquette game had everybody in the state there. It felt like because it was packed. It was a full house for that Marquette game. But this game, six o'clock weeknight game. It, it's it's hard to get there because of traffic. Everything. Um, the top bowl wasn't filled, um, but it was twice as loud as that Marquette game, and everybody was engaged. I thought the crowd was phenomenal, especially the student section, to get loud. Um, the place was shaken at one point, so I thought they really provided a spark and helped this team out. I know Brad Davison was out there pumping up the crowd and everything, so I, I do think that having the crowd back is an element that this team missed last year. Um, because of COVID and it, it really hurt them. The Cole Center can be a huge advantage and Wisconsin kind of rode that wave and, and was able to limit Indiana to 17 points in the second half and, and run away with things to, to, to find that victory in the end. Yeah, the, the energy has been much better this year. I mean, last year we talked about it so many times that there was just not, no life uh, on the bench. You know, no life from, obviously there was, you know, very, if there was a crowd, it was very limited and, and, 
just not the same. Um, and, and this year you've seen that, that spark is certainly back there. The guys on the bench are active and, and, you know, yelling. You've got a little bit of a bench mob that you can rely on with, you know, uh, a couple of certain guys. So it's been a, a lot of fun to watch this team. I think the energy again is, is very much there. I mean, I can't remember the last time, you know, all of us, I think collectively would say you know, the last time we've had this much fun watching Wisconsin basketball and they're just playing really together. It's like, you look forward to the next game. I mean, I can't wait to see what this team will do on Saturday against Ohio State, which will be a, you know, a road test, another really tough test against an Ohio State basketball team that's playing, you know, really well. And, you know, just off, you know, a couple of weeks ago or a couple days ago off that win over Duke. So they've got uh, some serious, um, you step up in competition here. I know Indiana maybe isn't the, the, the cream of the crop of the Big Ten and Ohio State will be another big challenge. But again, I'm excited to see what this team can do. They've answered the test. Every time, you know, they've had an assignment, they've went out and done it. So I'm really excited to see uh, what this group can do. And, and kind of to, to switch gears to that, going forward to Ohio State, what's maybe one thing, because that game will be on Saturday, won't have a chance to really talk about it, recap it until our first episode next week. What's something that you're maybe looking for this team to kind of maybe improve on? Um, I know it's hard to harp too much when they had that furious comeback, but it wasn't necessarily the best game. What are you looking for them to, you know, step up and, and improve on uh, against this Ohio State squad? I think one thing is for them to build on their ability to make free throws. That was a big thing in this game that really swung it through in Wisconsin's favor. They made 83% of their free throws. Indiana, 46%. In the end, Indiana lost by five. They missed seven free throws. It's That's kind of a recipe right there is continue to push to get to the line. Uh they they got to the line made uh, for 18 free throws. That's important for this team. You've got a guy like Johnny Davis who's been doing a really good job of making his free throws, and he can get to the rim. He needs to continue to attack um, 23 points against Indiana. I want I want to see if he can cont- keep that going, which I would think he can. That posterization of Trace Jackson Davis was awesome, but I, I think then the big thing for them to to grow at is, is definitely going to be three point shot. Um, you, you look at it in this game, 21.7%. Uh, a large chunk of that is because the first half they were 1 of 10, but it, they weren't that much better than the second half, 4 of 13. Um, and if you're going to take 23 three-pointers, which this team has done consistently, is they're usually at least at that 20, 20 shot mark from threes, you got to get it, just get them at a higher clip. And I think Brad Davison's the guy that you, you look to. He was only two of seven in this game. Chucky Hepburn, like I mentioned, oh of three. Um, so you need to hope that maybe they can turn that around a little bit because you're going to be going into a tough environment on a Saturday at, at, in Columbus and two ranked teams. That's going to be a fun game, but, but I think it's going to be a different challenge than what they've seen, um, you know, even from Indiana here. So, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited about it, but I do think you got to attack the rim, convert up the free throw line, and then you've just got to make some some threes here because one for ten and a half is going to kill you. And um, when you're on the road, it's a little harder to to chip away and get back in a game when you're down 17 than when it is at home. Yeah, I think those are both great points and, and things to look for when you're on the road, and especially a place like Ohio State. You you've got to try and, and come out and have a clean game and, and knock down shots. You know, we've had scoring struggles in the past, but the shooting struggles were certainly something um, from deep that we hadn't quite seen, um, you know, go for this team to go that cold. So hopefully they can find their shot and uh, continue that momentum from the second half and take that into that Ohio State game. So as we mentioned, guys, that'll be Saturday, December 11th at 11 a.m., Wisconsin taking on Ohio State uh, on the road there. 
All right, before we get out of here, uh, I wanted to kind of talk about next week and what the podcast will kind of look like. Of course, we've got early signing period, um, so a lot of recruiting stuff coming next week. Um, we're working on possibly some interviews, and, of course, we'll recap the class, everything that might happen. Um, the schedule, depending on how things shake out, might be a little different depending on release dates, but we'll still um, have two episodes out for you guys. To kind of switch gears to recruiting, you know, Wisconsin, the 2022 group, I don't know if we've talked about them as a whole in quite some time, um, but we can kind of give you guys a recap right now. Right now, 13 hard commits, but a ton of big names right now. The, the rankings, national rank of 43, Big Ten rank of 10. But if you see a lot of these, you know, other guys that are kind of um, on the fence or are possibly warm to Wisconsin but haven't announced that commitment, that could really bolster this class. So. Kind of, can you guys can you give a kind of a rundown, Matt, of the 2022 group and what we'll kind of be watching for next week? Yeah, so right now they're they're in good shape. Um, like you mentioned, this isn't a, a star-studded class by any stretch. They've got a lot of really high-rated three-star guys that I think um, have a ton of upside. You also have Joe Brunner highlighting the class um, at four as the four-star kid from inside the state from Whitefish Bay, but. Like you said, there are some high-profile targets still out there. Um, I, I know that Wisconsin's in a good spot for for some of them, and a lot of it is just going to be um, kind of coin toss here. And mm-hmm. and so I guess we can kind of maybe make predictions about where this might go. We've got Cohen Entringer of Wald Lake. Badgers have secured a commitment from his teammate, Aiden Vaughn, here recently. Um, but Entringer's recruitment has really kind of taken off. He's got offers from um, all over, mostly in, in Big Ten territory, but really it's down to, it seems like, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and Notre Dame. Um, Dad's a professor at Michigan. Um, he's from the state of Michigan. I would think that that gives the Wolverines the, the advantage, but, but Wisconsin having his teammate, maybe that's something that can tilt the things in, in their favor. I know Wisconsin's been all over him um, on social media. A lot of the players on the team have been reaching out to him. Um, so maybe that he's the guy. I would guess that he goes Michigan. I don't know about you, but that's yeah, my I guess. Agree. Right now, I would say, um, you know, with uh, I'm glad you mentioned the father connection because I think that makes it you know, maybe a little bit harder for Wisconsin to swing. But yeah, it seems like a situation that if Wisconsin were to be beat out, it, it would most likely be in that direction. Yeah, or Notre Dame. Like Notre mm-hmm. Dame, I think that that late offer from there, um, another team that's a little closer to home than Wisconsin, maybe that's somebody who can. Get in there as well. Um, shifting running back Jay Knott um, had him in on, on for an official visit against Army. He since went on um, another, a couple of official visits, one to USC, um, Colorado, but then most recently to Oregon State. Um, I, I, you just you just got a feeling that he took that official visit to Wisconsin back in mid October and. If they were going to get him, it was going to have to be fairly quickly after that. I think the farther that this has delayed, the more – and the fact that he's been taking official visits out west kind of points to he's probably looking to stay out west. I, I just kind of get that sense here. Um, I don't I don't have any inside info on that or anything, but I just – I would assume here that he ends up at maybe Oregon State because USC just picked up um, – that um, Relic Brown kid that used to be committed to Oklahoma. So I'm guessing that Ott's going to end up in the Pac-12 here. Um, and Wisconsin maybe just tries to either run with who they have, assuming that they can get um, everybody back healthy at the running back spot, or they maybe look to the transfer portal at this point. 
Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense with with where the Badgers are at. You know, the the transfer portal. I think that's going to be just as interesting to watch for this team as is the recruiting. I mean, not maybe the class. You know, the last couple of years you've had these really high classes. You know, the breaking record, record breaking year after record breaking year. This isn't going to be necessarily that, but I think there's a lot of guys that are are quality guys that fill in the needs that you have for this team. But part of that might also be, you know, if you're if you're not, I don't want to say concerned about your class. I still think this is a very good class. But if you're concerned about certain areas, there are guys that you can, you know, go out in the transfer portal. We've seen Wisconsin be a little bit more active there, and, and you know, and hopefully they can go out. And if they have a need, they can address it through there as well. So that landscape of college football, which is so different than anything we've seen in the past, will certainly have an impact. Where if you're not necessarily you know, over the moon about certain areas of your class, or if you don't feel like the depth is there, this transfer portal can all of a sudden give you an option. Um, to fill some things out because there's a lot of names out there in that portal that are going to be looking for homes. And Wisconsin certainly is not going to be shutting their doors completely um, without looking at taking a look at some guys and, and bolstering the roster wherever they feel necessary. Yeah, it, it definitely is an element that got to watch, got to keep an eye on um, because it does have a, a huge impact. But I'm glad you mentioned that the rankings in comparing that to, to previous years, Wisconsin still has a chance to finish at least in the early signing period with a team that could be in the top 25, according to at least 247, um, the composite. And there is a path there, even without getting those two guys that we just talked about, because I do think that things are trending in a different way for the Badgers in those um, races. But um, whereas Entringer might be a guy that they could add, I think Ott's probably a, a goner. But you've got Billy Shroud, Isaac Cam. Carson Hinsman, these are guys we've been talking about for seemingly three years now, um, had each of them on the podcast um, early on in their recruitments. Um, it, it's it's interesting because Ham and Hinsman are both guys who grew up Badger fans, so the, to lose them would be big losses. I think Ham is probably the, the surest bet of the three, kid out of some prairie. I think he's, as a defensive lineman, outside linebacker, type. Uh, I think Wisconsin's kind of always been the team. It's been more about making sure that everything's a, a good fit um, and do, making sure that due diligence is taken care of. But I think he would be a huge get. Um, his his top three, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, um, also took an official visit to Louisville. Michigan State also involved as well. But I think Wisconsin, that's a recruitment that I think the Badgers will win. I'm not sure if it happens at signing day, but it's either he's going to sign at early signing day or maybe later on, um, or, or maybe he would go a different route altogether. But I think, I think Wisconsin is going to be able to take care of business in the, in the ham recruitment. Yeah, I, I think those are guys that you certainly are, those are guys that could really bolster this class and improve the rankings. It seems like we've, like you mentioned, been talking about them for years and in-state guys. You hope you can close those deals. Might be a little tougher. I know, you know, generally when you've got these in-state guys and you get them locked up pretty early or quick, you feel good about it. And the longer it takes, the, the less good you feel about it. But there's still a very good chance for Wisconsin um, to land some of these guys and, and hopefully they can because as that will greatly boost the, the, the rankings of this group. So. By no means is this, you know, you know, a class that you can't feel good about or anything like that. This is still a very good group and has the potential to be much better as well. So all those names are certainly ones that we'll keep an eye on as this early signing period um, gets really underway. And, of course, next week uh, on the 15th will be a, a big day for the site. So make sure you guys go over and check it out. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Um, there's going to be a lot of action going on on that day and the days leading up to it. And, of course, the podcast will follow that as well. 
Yeah, we're gonna have. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying we're gonna have profiles for each player on the site. Um, we'll also talk about each of the players here. Um, hopefully Wisconsin can land those three, those in-state three that they've been chasing for a while. Billy Schroff between Wisconsin and Notre Dame, Carson Hinsman between Wisconsin and Ohio State. Isaac Ham, I think it's really the Badgers versus the Badgers. So um, I, I mentioned that they would be in the top 25 of that class. Just crunch the numbers on the um, 247 calculator. Um, and if they were to get those guys right now, not allowing any other – with no other teams picking up anyway, they would come in at the number 20th ranked class in the country just ahead of South Carolina. Um, obviously, things will change based off of player teams adding um, players in that same time span, but um, I, I think that would really give this class a boost, and, and hopefully they can do it. I, I think it's kind of a toss-up right now for Schroff and, and Hinsman, um, and it's kind of a toss-up that Ham signs in the – the early part, but Wisconsin, these are battles you got to win. You're built on the offensive line. You've seen struggles in the offensive line. The, these are battles they got to win, um, and um, they're really important recruits right now for the Badgers. Yeah, those will be the names to, to certainly circle and, and have on your target and radar and, and watch for as uh, we put some content out on the site. Um, as you mentioned, profiles and everything. It would be a huge recruiting overhaul on the site next week. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. So, of course, we'll be back with you early next week. We'll talk some recruiting. We'll recap the Ohio State basketball contest. We'll recap all the happenings from volleyball and anything else that comes down the pipeline. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.